0: Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Well, what I mean mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Was Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? And were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Thank you, God, for your word.
1: Thank you, Brian. Uh, Thank you, band. You know, there's something special about sitting in the front because you get to hear the band in front of you and the people behind you, and it is a praise sandwich. It's a beautiful thing. Well, good morning, everybody. Last Sunday I was gone on vacation, and I appreciate Alan Hansen who uh, gave the message about why we thank God for this faith family. But, you know, there's always a risk to that. There's always a risk to asking uh, another preacher to speak, what if you like him better than me? You know, I mean, it's always like the fans, they're always calling for the backup quarterback, right? But that's not the way Jesus' people do things. Alan and I know we're on the same team. And we're all on the same team, and we're all working toward the same goal. I, I, I especially missed having communion with you last Sunday, uh, but I look forward to doing so at our Thanksgiving Eve service. And uh, afterwards, we're going to share a little pie. Be a nice thing. I also want to give a shout-out to all of you who are worshiping online, uh, because you are a part of this faith family. And if you live close or you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you worship in person with us whenever you can. Uh, Now, I would like to have a share in a a prayer, kind of a famous prayer. It's known as the Prayer of St. Francis, though it's probably not quite that old. And I've updated the wording just a little bit, so if you're familiar with it, this will be a little different. But uh, let's pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Let me sow love where there is hatred, pardon where there is injury, faith where there is doubt, hope where there is despair, light where there is joy, joy where there is sadness. O divine master, help me to not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in forgiving that we are forgiven, and it is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. Amen. When I was a kid, uh, growing up, you know, our family always went to church. We went to a country church, uh, mostly farm families. And uh, every Sunday, uh, my grandparents had their Sunday school class in the sanctuary. And then my, grand, or, me, then my parents uh, went to the young adult Sunday school class, which was in the overflow room behind the sanctuary, which also doubled as the church library. And then my brothers and I, we all went to our own uh, Sunday school rooms. And then uh, we all came together after that for worship, all all ages together. And I remember that on special Sundays, we would then go down into the church basement where there was a a potluck dinner. And uh, there, you know, back in those days, there was always plenty of homemade fried chicken and apple pie kind of miss those days but you know it was not a perfect church no they tended to complain about their pastor a little too much whoever it was our children's christmas pageants were lame (laughs) year after year i was a shepherd wearing a bathrobe holding a cane reciting my verse to my surprise, when I turned 15, all of a sudden, I didn't know if I believed in God anymore. It was kind of a frightening thing, but, I, but honestly, that's where I was, and, but I was not ready to give up on my church. These were my people. Today is the second in our three Sunday series, Love My Church, and today's message is why we must stick together in 2023. You know, I never imagined that I would give a sermon with a title like that, but... Here we are. In January, as many of you know, we're going to be voting on our denomination, and all of you have good reasons for the one you want to vote for. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, I don't know which way the vote will go, but I do know this. I'm planning to stick around whatever way it goes. And I'm asking you to do the same. Last month, I talked to a couple who had originally figured that they would not stay if the vote didn't go their way, but then they came up to me and they said, yeah, we realize it's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. You know, churches go through times like this, right? You know, you look way back in 53 AD, uh, Jesus's people in Corinth are squabbling. Their, their founder, the apostle Paul, hears what's going on, and he, he sits down and he writes them a letter. So grab a Bible in front of you. Let's take a look at that, the passage that Brian just read for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 10. And those of you who are worshiping at home, I hope that you can find a Bible. You can follow along with us. And if you don't have one, then let us know. We would love to mail you a Bible. And uh, those of you worshiping in person, if you don't have a Bible to read at home, let us know. Talk to somebody who's wearing a name, name tag, and, and uh, we'll make sure you leave today taking home a Bible. Verse 10 gives us Paul's primary reason for writing. It's the, th- it's the theme of the entire letter. And it's easy to identify how important it is because it begins with, I appeal to you. Okay, It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. You know, I read that and I go, Paul, you are sure asking a lot. Agree in what we say, no divisions among us, Perfectly united in mind and thought? Has there ever been a church like that? I mean, if, even if I were a church of one, just me, myself, it wouldn't be perfect, it would not be perfectly united in mind and thought. But you should know that Paul is not demanding that they agree on every little thing. Because later in the letter, he talks about how, you know, Whether it's okay to eat meat that's been previously offered and sacrificed to idols. Well, some say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And others say, if you eat that, you are denying Jesus. And Paul says, hey, folks, we don't have to agree about this, but whatever you believe, you have to love one another. Now, personally, Paul had no problem eating meat that had been previously offered to idols. But if doing it creates a crisis of conscience for someone else, then don't do it. It's not worth it. The phrase, uh, agree with one another in what you say, doesn't mean that we have to agree lockstep on every single thing. It's a, it's a Greek expression that means to be at peace with one another. And that means sometimes we're okay, we can agree that we don't agree, okay? But there are some things Paul definitely wants Jesus' people to be solid on and agree on. He wants them to agree that salvation is found through faith in Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. That is rock solid. He wants them to agree that as Jesus' people, we are called to serve together, to build up each other, to use our gifts, to love each other. But even if Paul's not expecting us to agree on every little thing, he's still asking us a lot, don't you think? And he's not trying to, to bully them into submission. He simply wants to persuade them to stick together despite their differences. Verse 11, he says, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Who's Chloe besides this little girl over here? Well, the one in the Bible, um, she might have been a tattletale. Uh, Who is her household? Well, we don't know. But there are some intriguing possibilities. Maybe some of Jesus' people met in her house every Sunday, and they, they ate together, and they worshiped, and they learned together. And her household could have been uh, uh, the believers that, that, that met in her home, or it could have been her family members, or it could have even been her employees. Whoever it was, Chloe sent a message through them to Paul about what's going on. In verse 12, Paul addresses the problem. He says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, or Cephas, however you want to pronounce it. Still another, I follow Christ. So what are they doing? They're picking sides. We're we're better than you are. And and the division, as you keep reading the letter, is mainly about those first two, Paul and Apollos. The third one, um, Cephas, is the Aramaic version of the name Peter. So they're saying, yeah, we, we like Peter better. And the fourth one, Christ... Those who say saying that are maybe saying, yeah, I don't like any of those other three guys, so I'm just going to stick with Jesus. Anyway, it is a, a Christian crisis in Corinth, and Paul tries to help them work it out. Now, I want to give Paul a lot of credit because he, one thing he refrains from doing is trying to boost his own ego by, by getting more people to be on his side, Right? Uh, so like him more than Apollos he doesn't do that instead he just simply demotes himself compared to the Lord verse 13 Paul asks three rhetorical questions each inviting a no answer so what I want to do here is I want to ask each question and you help me out with a big shout out no alright is Christ divided? no was Paul crucified for you? No, were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. Then quit saying you belong to Paul. Paul and Apollos, they're just on the same team, and so are you. Uh, As you go in later into chapter 3, Paul again brings up the jealousy and the quarreling, and he says this, what after all, let's put it up on the screen here, shall we? Anyway. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So why are the Corinthian disciples divided? What, why do they... Why do they want to do that? Why do some want to swing to Apollos and some swing to Paul? Well, I think verse 17 gives us a clue. Jump down there with me, will you? It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with, and will you say the next three words with me, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be emptied of its power. Wisdom and eloquence. Now, because of this and some other clues, we surmise that probably Paul was not as gifted a public speaker as Apollos. And you know, people in ancient Greece, they were just enthralled with anybody who had, you know, a way with words that could spellbind a crowd. Maybe Apollos was especially funny. Stand-up comedian guy. Maybe he was a riveting storyteller. And maybe Maybe Paul was just more direct but powerful in giving the simple message of Jesus' cross and resurrection. And now the sisters and brothers are choosing sides over which one's their favorite. Like that's what we're supposed to do? So Paul essentially says, hey, don't regard me as inferior just because I, I lack the oratory skills that Apollos has. God spoke to, to you through me just the way he wanted to. And, and of course, Paul didn't want to see this, this church that he had planted a splinter into personality cults. He wanted them to stay unified about the message of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. As I said earlier, in January we're going to vote on which denomination to belong to. I don't know how it'll go. But I respect the strong convictions that many of you have about this, whichever way they go. Some of you are planning to leave this church if the vote doesn't go your way. If that's you, I hope that you will reconsider. I hope that you will keep worshiping with us, serving with us, growing with us. What was it about 11 years ago? I led this church through a time of discerning whether we would keep the water's edge as our second campus or release it to be its own church. That was, some of you remember that. That was a hard decision. I remember some meetings that we had in here, and how I many people got up and speaking were crying, and some were yelling, and it was it was so hard. And uh, why did I lead us into that conversation? Because avoiding challenging conversations and hard decisions is what dysfunctional organizations do, right? Healthy organizations are willing to have challenging conversations and make hard decisions. And I hope we can stay through it, stay together through it. Right now, Faith Westwood has what I believe is an optimal complement of staff for the kind of church that we are, that we believe are called to be. Uh, and, and a lot of you would recognize that because, you know, you're very connected to one or more staff members who really help you plug in and, and be the church and find the ways to serve and to, to bond together with other believers. Um, and I, I always want that to be the case. Someone told me last week that he's been in a number of churches, and it seems like every church has some way that they try to serve the community, but he said, here at Faith Westwood, serving the community seems to be really embedded in our DNA. I thought, wow, what a cool perspective for someone to come in from the outside and and see that and say that. This Saturday, we'll be giving away between, I'm guessing, between 250 and 300 bags of Thanksgiving groceries that will feed over 1,000 people that day uh, on, on Thanksgiving Day. And I want to see that keep happening. And we'll give them invitations in their bags to, uh, to our drive through nativity on December 3rd and our Christmas Eve worship services. And, and we have prayer teams that are going to go two by two, walking through the parking lot uh, this Saturday and asking people who are coming for the Thanksgiving bags if they would like someone to pray with them. And most of them will welcome it. And so then our team's right there at the car will be praying for, for people and with people. And I want to see that keep happening. This Wednesday... Um, our middle and high school students will fill 150 of those bags with food purchased through our donations to the pantry. I want to see that keep happening. For the last month or so, our our children and actors have been preparing for our annual Christmas pageant, one of the biggest Sundays of the year here. And, you know, we're going to do it a little differently, just so you know, we're having one service that day because the little kids have a hard time doing it twice. And also those who have to wrangle the kids have a hard time doing it twice. So it's going to be one service on the second Sunday of December, um, and, uh, uh, which would be what, the 11th? Anyway, uh, that's Sunday and um, at 10 o'clock. But I want to see that keep happening. Our Blanketed With Prayer team continues to furiously crochet hats and scarves that we give out all over the community, including Central Middle School, to our sister church Iglesia Communitaria in South Omaha. I want to see that keep happening. Our solutions group for caregivers has helped more people this year than ever. Uh, Our resource person, Nancy Flaherty, has responded to 105 requests for consultation this year. I want to see that keep happening. Every Monday. How do you know what's going on here at our church? You, You open your Faith Connect email. Or you can always go to our website and go to the happenings tab. Everything's right there. How do we have that? It's because people are working on it, and I want to see that keep happening. In October, we had 23 faith groups meeting and uh, 175 adults participating. I want to see that keep happening. A couple weeks ago, we invited the neighborhood to join us for our trunk or treat, and uh, I don't know how many people there, but... I this seemed like, you know, the year we had 400, this was about like that. And uh, we gave away all our cupcakes, we gave away all our extra candy. Uh, I talked to one guy there, I didn't know, and um, he, he said his wife had learned about the Trunk or Treat on Facebook. And I asked, well, what part of town do you live in? And he said, we live close to downtown. Whoa but I want to see this keep happening. And whatever we do, we will do it in love. And we will love everyone because that's who we are. So I hope you'll decide today to stick around. I hope you'll say, well... Pastor Steve says he's going to stay. I suppose I could too. I hope you'll say, I'm not going to go into the transfer portal. (laughs) I'm going to stay put. I hope you'll say, You can count on me in 2023. Let's pray. Oh, God, I quiet myself before you so I can listen. Search my heart. Show me what I value too much. Search my heart. Show me what I value too little. Lord, search my heart. Show me where I need to compromise less. Search my heart. Show me where I need to compromise more. Search my heart. Show me how to love you and everyone else. And now we'll take a couple of minutes to pray silently and you can bring to God whatever is on your heart. You may pray where you are seated or you're welcome to come forward and stand or kneel at the steps.